Unearthed Memphis, your Memphis history podcast with hosts Alan Compton and Tara Ingram. Hey everybody, welcome back to Unearthed Memphis. I'm Alan. And I'm Tara. And we hope you enjoyed our last episode about Memphis Hoodoo and the St. Paul's Spiritual Holy Temple. I really did. I'm, I'm still Googling stuff about it. I think it's just so incredibly fascinating. We even got a Facebook thank you from the Secret History of Memphis Hoodoo author, Tony Kale, for mentioning his book. Yeah, ad- admittedly, I got a little low-key excited about it. <laughs> um, after I read his comment, I, I looked at his Facebook page and found out there's actually a conjuring shop on Summer. Yeah, um, so we're going to have to check that out soon. I we think will. that'll be really cool. Yeah. In our last episode, we talked about the Elmwood Cemetery Cinema event. Uh, Cemetery Cinema, it's called. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, we went and it was fantastic. It was. Uh, The first film they showed was a filmed version of this year's Soul of the City tour. Since we missed it, I'm glad we got to at least see the film. Uh, The actress did a great job as always, and hopefully next year we won't have quite so much going on and we can make it to the tour. I think we had soccer going on this time. I think so. Yeah, but we definitely want to go next year. Yes, yes. And then we watched the original 1922 version of Nosferatu. I'd never seen it, all the way through at least. I'd seen little bits of it. Yeah, and I hadn't seen it since college, so my memory of it's a, a little foggy. Yeah, turns out it was far more comedic than I remembered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, being that it's a silent film, there are title pages and subtitles, at least in this version. Uh, and some of them linger over multiple scenes, and, and some facial expressions linger over many scenes, too. Oh, yeah, it's, it was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tara took the most amazing picture of one of those scenes, and we, previ- we previously posted it on our social media, but we'll add it to this page for your viewing pleasure. It's yes. still making me laugh thinking about it. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, the stage makeup and exaggerated expressions made for some entertaining moments as well, but it really was a great film for its time. A truly classic horror film, but I think everyone should watch. I do too. Yeah. But I- I'm glad technology has progressed, though. Yeah, definitely. Yes, filmmaking <laughs> techniques have gotten a whole lot better. All right. Well, I know what you guys are thinking, y'all. Two episodes in one month. What? Don't tease us like that. <laughs> um, I know, but it's spooky season, and we wanted to get a little more spooky in before the month was over. Yeah. Yeah. So we thought we'd do some Halloween shorts. Yes. I'm not talking about a clothing accessory. Short pants. Yeah. No. <laughs> Although that would be awesome. That would be awesome. Kind of. Picturing David S. Pumpkins in short pants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we found a few stories that didn't have quite enough information for a standalone episode, but we didn't want to not tell them. We want to give a shout out to another great local author, Laura Cunningham. She has two books, Haunted Memphis and The Ghostly Tales of Memphis, that we use for some of our research. And you should definitely check them out. Yeah. And The the Ghostly Tales of Memphis, we actually just recently picked that one up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's pretty brand new. And it's I think it's more... Um, it's geared like, to kids. Well, a little bit. It's kinda, it's like sorta. short stories. Yeah, but there's really awesome artwork in it. Yeah, there's there's illustration fantastic. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, so yeah, definitely check this out. All right, our first story is about Claude Pugh and the Court Square Fountain. And a little backstory on Court Square. The park is located between Main Street and Second Street at Court Avenue. Appropriately named. Hmm. 
Um, the plan for the park was to have the courthouse built in it, but no courthouse was ever built there. Uh, the park, however, has existed since the early 1800s, and it did eventually become home to the first schoolhouse. All right, now Court Square Fountain was built in 1876. Hebe, the Greek mythology cutbearer to the gods, stands atop the, uh, the fountain. The Hebe Fountain, as it is actually called, is cast iron, 20 feet tall, and weighs about 7,000 pounds. So it's ginormous. Yeah. Uh, originally, the basin of the fountain was six and a half feet deep, and it was filled with fish, turtles, and allegedly an alligator at one time. Also, it had no fence around it. Clearly a <laughs> safe place to be. Nothing mm. nothing bad could happen. No, nothing bad at all. And I, I don't know about you, but if there were no sea creatures in it, that sounds like a great place to go swimming. Or get tetanus. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, in 1884, a 10-year-old little boy named Claude Pugh was possibly thinking that same thing. Uh, swimming, not tetanus. Um, while he was sitting on the edge of the fountain playing with his toy boat, he leaned over too far and fell in. Well, apparently, algae coated the stones in the fountain, and little Claude couldn't get his footing. So after struggling to stay afloat, I'm guessing he couldn't swim, he went under and never came back up. And according to the Memphis Daily Appeal, the park was full of people, but no one went in to help save him. Mm-hmm. And the paper was not afraid to put those folks on blast. (laughs) So this is their quote. Stalwart men stood silently by while staring eyes and gaping mouths. Their hearts must have been made of stone and the milk of human kindness in their breast sour way. More consideration would have been given to a dumb beast. Wow. Calling those folks out. Um, Anyway, a fireman finally showed up, and it took 15 minutes to recover him. Yikes. So, Claude Pugh drowned on August 26, 1884, and he is buried in Elmwood. Now, in 1980, the fountain was renovated, and the basin was filled in so that it would not be so deep, and a fence was erected around it so that hopefully no one else would suffer the same fate as Claude Pugh. And even today, people still bring toy boats and little ducks to Claude at the fountain. They say his spirit still lingers there, and apparently, if you put the toys in the water, they'll move around like they're being pushed. But if you ask Claude to move the toys to you, they'll change direction and come to you. So even a hundred years later, the 10-year-old little boy still just wants to play. Hmm. (laughs) Uh, I've been to that fountain numerous times, uh, but haven't ever put any toys in. So we may have to go and do that and see what happens. I don't usually have them on hand. Not generally. Not not usually, no. But, you know, we can do that. Yeah, we can try it at some point. (laughs) Some point. I love how the... uh, the putting people on blast sounds still extremely proper in 1884. <laughs> I think it does. <laughs> it reminds me of the Shakespearean insults memes that are out all, all the time. Uh, okay, next up is a story that takes place in one of our favorite places to visit, Overton Park. Uh, Overton Park in Midtown Memphis is a 342-acre public space that includes paved trails, a nine-hole golf course, It houses the Memphis Zoo, uh, the Brooks Museum, our wonderful outdoor concert venue, the Levitt Shell, and it is really just a fantastic place to be outside in the world. Yep. 
And Overton Park also happens to be the home of Rainbow Lake, a concrete-lined two-acre lake used uh, that used to have arcing spray fountains with colored lights installed in the middle of it, which kind of created a rainbow effect when they were turned on. They're not there anymore, oh. uh, hence the lake's name. That's really cool. They should yeah. bring that back. They really should have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at some point in the 1960s, although I couldn't pin down even an approximate date, a woman's body was recovered from La- Rainbow Lake. It was determined that she had been stabbed to death, mm. but some sources say that she was drowned. Um, I've also heard the the detail that this horrific act was perpetrated by her husband. Mm. Uh, she was wearing a blue dress or nightgown when she died. And uh, according to many people throughout the years since this tragic event, the spirit of this woman, still clad in her blue dress or nightgown, has never really left Rainbow Lake. Countless park goers have claimed to see the lady in a lightly glowing blue dress, uh, walking uh, walking in the area surrounding the lake, while some of them have claimed to see her rising out of or even floating above the water. Others have seen flashing blue lights floating and darting around the lake, and when people happen to see the lady in blue, they they say that she has an arm outstretched to them as if uh, pleading for help or an effort to fend off her killer, maybe. And sadly, she vanishes when anyone makes an effort to approach her. Ooh. So I've heard this story a lot over the years, but I've never been to the lake after dark. I have. Didn't see her that time, at least. So, yeah. I feel like we should go on lots of adventures after reading all yes. these stories. Yeah, we need to. All right. The next one is about a place I have parked in front of for years, <laughs> which <laughs> sounds like a ridiculous intro. But um, I've always been jealous of the person who lived there because I thought it would be such a cool house. And now that I've researched it, I'm even more jealous of the people who live there. All right. The Hotel Pontotoc is located appropriately on Pontotoc between Main and Front Street. And it was built in 1906. The hotel had 18 bedrooms and nine bathrooms on three floors. And this does include the basement. During its time, Pontotoc was a hotel, a boarding house, a bordello and a club before its current resident purchased it in 18 or I'm sorry in 1980 <laughs> wow <laughs> before he was even built only a century off there that's okay <laughs> all right so she she bought it in 1980 and in its heyday the building was a thriving hotel and uh, when Dan Tuliatis and his family owned it and several Memphis Greeks would spend their time there eating, drinking, and relaxing. It was also one of the places actors and vaudevillians would stay while in town. And the creator of the Crystal Shrine Grotto and Memorial Gardens... Dionisio. Dionisio? That's what we're going to go with. Dionisio Rodriguez resided there while he worked on the project. And then there was the story that this was the place that Elvis... Got lucky for the first time. (laughs) So clearly this place has a long history, and I imagine a lot of stuff happened there. But where do the ghosts come in? Well, the story I read was that allegedly the hotel's caretaker liked to come home drunk and make a lot of racket. And this annoyed those staying at the house. Well, apparently, one morning, the lodgers awoke to a terrible smell like something had been charred. Upon investigation, they found the caretaker at the bottom of the basement stairs burned to a crisp. So, 
Did the patrons finally get fed up with his disturbing behavior and push him down the stairs into the boiler? Or did he just drunkenly fall down the stairs and accidentally end up in the boiler? Well, we'll never know. But it is said that his spirit still resides at the hotel. He doesn't hang out in the basement, though. Apparently, he likes to reside in his former room on the second floor. Well, there's a boiler in the basement. That got him one time. He learned. <laughs> I know. He's like, I can go back down there. <laughs> well, legend has it. That's why the owner hasn't renovated, because he won't let her. It's also rumored that you can still smell the burning smell in the basement. Well, Memphis Magazine did an interview with the current owner, and she said that well, she's sure there's some spirits in her home, because why wouldn't there be? So much has happened at that hotel. There's nothing malicious. She gets a positive vibe from her home. She did mention, however, that the story of the caretaker dying has a little bit of truth to it. But he actually lived next door and was carrying coal to the boiler room, and there was a fire, and he died when his clothes caught on fire. And she said there's also no burning smell in the basement. And she hasn't renovated the second floor because she just hasn't gotten around to it. She's busy. <laughs> she's busy. You know, it's, she's only been there for 40 years. <laughs> <laughs> she get around to it. You know. Um, so from the horse's mouth, while the Hotel Pontotoc has spirits, the alleged hauntings you may hear on a ghost tour are not totally accurate. But still fun. Still fun. And haunted or not, I love that building. Yeah, it's pretty. I, I'd it's really... really yeah, I'm still very jealous. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And last but not least on the stories, um, the McCoy Theater at Rhodes College was not always the performing arts center it is today. It was actually the sorority house for their chapter of the Zeta Tau Alpha sorority. Urban legend has it that a w young woman named Annie was distraught after not winning a bid to join the sorority. And this led Annie to take her own life by hanging herself from one of the rafters in the sorority house. Goodness. Yeah. Uh, school officials refused to corroborate this claim, insisting that there was never a suicide in or around the ZTA house. Uh, there is also no substantial evidence to support this, as this particular ZTA chapter folded in the mid-70s and uh, was in dire need of membership by its end. I even read that their sorority's picture from the 1975 yearbook was taken with the 17 members gathered around a black hearse. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Seems like they knew that they were on their way out. Uh, or was there a side hustle of some mm -hmm. sort? Of <laughs> yeah. uh, the school's insist uh, insistent stance on the building's history hasn't stopped the legend from doing what legends tend to do, grow. Uh, for many years, students have reported claims of disembodied voices in the theater, items moving with no apparent cause of force, uh, images of a young woman, presumably Annie, in mirrors uh, when nobody was present, uh, lights flickering or moving around the, in the building, and they even attribute some unlucky happenings in the theater to Annie. It has become Rhodes Theater tradition to invite Annie, with a little ceremony, to the opening performance of any show in hopes that it will bring good luck to the run or prevent bad luck anyway. Allegedly, there was a time that they did forget to invite Annie to one of their shows, and the entire run had to be canceled due to an ice storm. Wow. <laughs> so Annie might actually be able to control the weather too. Who knows? I thought I thought Pudge controlled the weather. <laughs> I think Pudge does control the weather. <laughs> he needs peanut butter sandwiches, though. That's right. Yeah. They should they should have offered Annie some peanut butter sandwiches. Yeah, they probably have tried that. I'm sure. I think that's part of their um <laughs> their ceremony. <laughs> Maybe. 
All right, guys. Well, that's it. Thanks to uh, for listening to our Halloween shorts episode. It it was a short episode of some sh- shorts. Of some shorts, and we're, I'm wearing shorts currently. Yes. So there tri- you, trifecta. There you go. <laughs> Something. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed it, um, and we hope everyone has a safe and happy Halloween. Yeah. And as always, don't forget to listen to our next episode on your favorite podcast listening app. Also, if you get the chance, we would love for you to like and subscribe. Yes, please. Leave us a review. Uh, Leave us a review. You can leave us a review. Leave us a review. We like those. A five-star review. We need some reviews, people. Uh, (laughs) And share us on social media as well, please. Uh, Check out our website at unearthmemphis.com, Instagram at unearthmemphis, Facebook at facebook.com slash unearth901. Twitter at unearth901 or drop us an email at unearthmemphis at gmail.com. We would love to hear from everyone. Questions, comments, suggestions, corrections, compliments, flattery, <laughs> cats mewing in the background, uh, or just chatter is appreciated and enjoyed. Very much so. And this is our disclaimer. We are not historians. We are simply two people who are interested in Memphis history. We have done research and are trying to provide accurate history as best we can. There is a possibility that some of these statements are incorrect, but we have tried to verify all the info so that we are not putting out any untrue info. To the best of our knowledge, what we were saying is correct, but let us know if you have things to add or correct. In the show notes, you'll find links to articles we used and book titles to gather our information. Although I will say, like, some of these may not be correct because they're urban legends. Yes, they're legends, (laughs) so correct is not really a prerequisite. That's right. That's right. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Unearthed Memphis is written, produced, and engineered by Alan Compton and Tara Ingram. The music was written, performed, and recorded by Donnie Wayne Smith and Alan Compton.